podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Fire for them, fire for them. If you're looking for that 35 bag umbrella and all damn thing there, keep it locked with this Unomics podcast. 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 Yo, what's going on, people? Happy hump day. Well, by the time you listen to saying hump day, it's Thursday. Well, I hope you've had a fantastic week. You are now listening to the edition of this podcast. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Firstly, make sure you're giving this podcast five stars on whatever streaming app you're using, Spotify. My ratings on 4.7. It used to be five stars, but some people decided to deliberately vote it down that's the story for another day <laughs> but yeah help me get back up to 4.9 stars you get me so rate that and obviously rate it on itunes as well or oh, apple podcast should i say um last week's episode well sunday's episode was how to turn your website visitors to customers that was with yomi from Codus launch squad so if you're into the tech startup life make sure you listen to that if you have a website or even if you are have a, just an instagram page there's so many interesting tips and tricks that yomi dropped and for people who want to have an app but they're struggling with developers and all that type of stuff that is the podcast for you in fact it's just interesting and you're me it's good vibes and he's funny so make sure you check that out you're now listening to my 250th episode i can't believe i've recorded 250 episodes so i really want to appreciate the most important person in this and that is andre andre um i met andre for the first time in like a coffee shop like he hit me out on he hit me up on social media Twitter I believe because obviously he was like yo like your sound your podcast sound is very low I'm not sure if I even tweeted it or he just kind of noticed and hit me up to help me and obviously I don't really know nothing about sound like that I wasn't one of the people who was MCing back in the days and everybody was like I didn't have that talent so I just asked I just researched what's the best mics and I saw the short SMB I was like, oh, this might cost a few hundred quid, but I see it on Breakfast Club. So I'm like, I want the best sound possible. So I thought all I have to do is buy the best mic, right? But I didn't know that I need to have a powerful laptop. I need to know have a powerful interface and to kind of channel because my microphone apparently was too powerful for the interface I had. So um, Andre, he linked up, he told me, yeah, just send it to him. He'll edit the sound, edit everything for me. I was like, okay, cool. Like, how much should I pay you? He was like, nah, bro. Like, I just believe in this. I just want to do it. And I was like, this man's crazy but ever since then he's been loyal he's been working so hard with me like he's just a G like even like my live shows or sometimes on Fracas live show like he'll come and he'll come and help pattern up the sound so he's just an absolute legend and the only reason why Disonomics podcast has grown because it sounds good don't get me wrong I rate myself I rate my content and that but if it doesn't sound good you lot ain't listening Trust me, you're listening, and that's because of Andre. So he's he's the one deserving of all the praise, and of course, you people who've been rocking with me since 2016. That's six years of podcasting, and I know I'm in that consistent this year. It's been a bit of a mess, but I'm not missing a pod ever again. And now I said it, I legit not miss a pod. So yeah, man, I really appreciate all the people listening, the people that have come to my live shows, the people that used to tweet the hashtag when that was a thing, the people who share this on their story, the people who told their friend, the people who listen, even though they listen for five minutes, the people who are putting, telling me, telling, telling other people about my podcast, the people who come up to me in the street be like, yo, I've F with your podcast, I learned this and that. Like you people, I don't understand. Like, obviously you see the numbers, yeah? No oh shit, this is my people, this is my part of our lip, but I always forget that these are actual human beings, living, breathing human beings, and I really, really appreciate you. And because of you, like I've managed to turn a passion into something that I can actually build like a, a legitimate platform from and make a living. And I really hope that 
you keep rocking with me and I can make this even bigger and better for everybody involved. So yeah, man, God bless you people. Like I really appreciate it. Now back to business, yeah? This week's pod, it was only right doing a topic that the streets love and almost always my most popular podcasts are the ones that talk about housing because we all need housing and it is an ambition for many of us uh, for gener- generational wealth issue purposes just for standard living purposes and of course naturally in the UK culturally home ownership is a thing so I'm fortunate enough to be joined shortly by a gentleman by the name of Mr. Olu he is a mortgage broker he's been doing that for several years almost a decade now and um, he also has his own company called BSL Financial Services providing mortgage brokerage services and even solving complex solutions so this was such a good podcast obviously it gives us a gist on his background obviously he was a mature student at University of Greenwich he's from our home country Nigeria Dunno and oh, he just gave me so much information gave us so much information about how some people can have a great credit score and still get turned down by lenders some people could have a pretty poor score but still get accepted by lenders and all the different nuances to shared ownership help to buy um it's just it was just a fantastic podcast so yeah guys strap up you might want to write a couple of notes down you get me and yeah enjoy talking mortgages with mr olu from bsl financial services lego Hi, I it's MXM and listen to the Dysonomics podcast because it's late. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Dysonomics podcast. I'm joined by a very special guest. I have Mr. Olu. How are you doing today? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. Thank you for persevering with the with the technology issues I had before, but now we're ready to rock and roll, get into this topic. So we're going to be just in on housing. So. I think I always like to start off my pods with um, like my listeners and my audience getting to know um, the person I'm speaking with. So, um, Mr. Olu, what is your background? Did you study? Did you go to school, university, or did you go straight into work? And how did you get into get into the world of mortgages and housing? Oh, yeah, I did study. I went to University of Greenwich. I okay. did uh, economic banking. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, but I was a mature student. I came into the country back in '98 from Nigeria. Uh, so, uh, took 12 years to sort of get myself together, paper-wise. And during that period, I was just curious as to how does the country work mm. when. I eventually get my means of being able to work. What do I need to do? What's the best way to to go about being able to do something meaningful? And just during that period, during the 12-year period, I took my time to study the country, understand the country, and sort of figure out which area is best to get into. So, and I realized that Financial education is very important, 100%. regardless of what you're doing. If you understand the financial system, it's very easy to to do something great. So I just sort of zone in on that. From there, started looking into stock market. I realized I wasn't a fan of 
analytics of stock markets and yeah. the options and all of that, then I'm very risk averse in certain way. Then I realized property side, understood the mortgage side and oh, this is good for me because the risks are there, but they are calculated risks. For me, my own understanding is the worst that can happen is I don't sell the property is there. I can still see compared to stock market that if you make any silly trade, the money's gone. <laughs> and that, and that's that. That's that. It's just gone. At least with the yeah. house, you still have the house. <laughs> yeah. So that was uh, I'm like, okay, I can take the risk, but I can still see what I spend the money on. So if, it's, if it means I'm going to leave it till years to recoup, then at least I haven't lost everything. So that was how I sort of came into the property side. So I sort of started the exams, then went to uni to study economics with banking, finished 2011, then went back to complete the, the professional exam for mortgages. And managed to get myself into a company 2013 and i've been there since then okay fantastic so is that um bsl financial services no bsl is my company okay oh, okay so you're doing so you're working for a company but you've also launched your own company yes yeah, so i worked with uh i started 2013 then moved around a little bit and i realized that for me to enjoy the business i need to Stop trying to get into, stop, how'll I put it? Getting people to invite me to their table. I need to make my own table. Okay, of course. My own. So in uh, 2019, I started my own company, BSL Financial Services. So yeah, and it's over three years now. We're doing great things. Okay, so speak to me about um, BSL Financial Services um, for us. I know it's based in Lewisham, so this is good for for my South London family listening. But yeah, speak to me more about um, BSL Financial Services and what are the products and and services that you offer to the community? Uh, BSL Financial Services, there's six brokers, uh, six of us brokers in the company. And we... We we pride ourselves in solving problems because uh, whenever I'm talking to the team, I always make them understand that everyone is doing mortgages and we're not everyone. So we've solved problems. If you have a problem, we are here to solve it. That's, so we're sort of like a specialist in terms of we focus on the complex cases, people with default, people with county court judgment against them, people that used to be bankrupt, but now they've sort of are getting themselves together. So the difficult challenging cases is our own bread and butter. Mm. And so we don't, we do the vanilla cases, the high street lenders, but it's not, it's like 10% of our business. Okay. The majority of our business is the complex one, people with serious credit issues that we put them, help them strategize, put a plan in place and get them a property at the end of the process. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. And I think that's something that's definitely beneficial to some people in my audience. So 
yeah, so we've established that obviously with BSL financial services and as well as your career since 2013 has been predicated into the housing market. So my first question is like, what is your thoughts on the housing market? And the question I've literally had twice within the last about five days was um, um, two, two um, lovely young ladies who I know asked me my thoughts on with the current cost of living crisis, is it best to buy a house now or to wait? So I'll let you give your advice and I'll see if it matches what um, I, I said. Uh, from my opinion, is the fact that any time is the right time. The moment you have the means, is the right time to buy. Exactly what I said, yeah. You are not buying unless you're an investor. And investors will always find a way to invest regardless of the period. But someone that wants to leave, if they're able to afford it at that point in time, that's the time to buy it because it's a long-term investment for you. So, and giving your money to a landlord, you are helping them to pay the mortgage. And many a times you realize the rent is always more than the mortgage. Absolutely. So if you're able to afford the rent, why not just buy your own and know that you are the money you are paying every month is towards reducing your own liability on your own property, not someone else's lifestyle you are funding. Yeah, I could, I could, I could agree more. I believe if you've got the means to buy, especially that times and um, data showing over, over, especially over my lifetime, the price of housing, price of housing, especially London and surrounding counties, is only going one way over a period of time, and that's up. So. Well, the keep... thing is, it's a, it's a means of building generational wealth. That's the foundation. Mm. That's what many people, for me, fail to realize. Because like, let's assume people bought their property 25 years ago, and the, the mortgage is coming to the end of the term, and they've paid it off. The thing is, if their children now are in the, in need of money, all the parents need to do is go into the asset that they've already they've almost paid off, take a percentage of it, give it to the children Definitely. to buy their own property. Definitely, they're still in there, but they've helped the children to move in to set their own up. Before you know it, it will have a domino sort of effect that each generation. Is taking money to invest in the next generation, and that's a perfect way to do it. So, um, you spoke on um, like giving your children, for example, an example that you that you accurately use to get their property. So, I know a lot of my audience are potential first-time buyers or current first-time buyers, aspiring first-time buyers. So, I thought we good to start off by talking about first-time buyers. So. My first question to you will be is, what are some of the things that you believe all first-time buyers must know? Um, I think that the the foundation is how does money work. Yes. Because when you understand how your money works, then you know how to sort of where to put it to make it work for you. When you know how to make your money work for you, it means you can save up because each time you place your money in an environment that is working, the return is interest on your investment. So that's the foundation. And for me, the next thing is the credit profile thing. How does it work? 
what do lenders look out for? Is every mortgage, is every loan or credit card? Is they are not free money. So people assume it's free money because they gave it to me. I can spend it. Each time you apply for credit, it goes on your profile. It shows on your credit report when lenders come to check. Even for the car insurance that we use, each time they do a search, it appears on there. They gave you a credit card. You max it up. You've got ten different cards. They're all maxed up. The impression you are giving the lender is your liability. You depend on credit. So you depend on credit to survive. Your income is not enough for you. What you're using to survive is the credit that you have available. So you are committed to living off credit. Whereas people that are very diligent, that know their what, they save their money. They don't have too much credit cards. Having one credit card or two is fine. Having too many for no reason doesn't make sense. If you don't need it, don't get it. Pay your bills on time. Don't say, okay, I, I'm, I'm paying the bills, but the system recognizes a particular day before they register against you that you've missed your payment. Even if you're paying the next day, the system has already set up that you've missed your payment. So pay your bills regularly on time so that it's registered that you've paid. Don't use too much of your credit uh, facility. Under 40%, 50% max is okay. So with those two, you can start saving. Save. Towards, yeah. towards your buying. And for first-time buyers, the young adults, the thing is many of them want to leave their parents' house to be independent. There's nothing wrong in that. It's a beautiful thing. You want to live a life outside of your parents. But what our advice is, before you do that, find friends, three, four of you, that you have a similar understanding, similar way of reasoning. The money you're going to give to a landlord to rent, pull it together. Use it to buy, four of you. You buy a four-bed house. Your incomes will be used on represent the four of you to buy a house, take each room, you have a living space. You are no longer a first buy, uh, time buyer in that aspect. And what you've done is you've sort of leveraged your income to allow you and your friends to buy the maximum possible. So it's not just you trying to buy a house now. So is you're looking for 5% instead of looking for 10, 15%. If your income is twenty five thousand, or by the time you have four people, that's hundred thousand that the lender would calculate mm. plus your deposit for you guys to buy a house. Four people with hundred thousand buying a, a property of four five hundred thousand will not be difficult because by the time they multiply your income between the four of you, you can afford the mortgage. And you realize you are paying less towards the mortgage than you will be paying on if you're rent. renting. Mm. That's the first thing, especially single people. Boyfriend, girlfriend, that they're certain they're going to be together and join together to buy, even if it's a flat or one bed flat, the fact that you are getting on the ladder is a beautiful thing because you've sort of broken the 
the barrier, you've pulled it out. When you are ready to build up, to buy a bigger place, you already established yourself as a homeowner, the one you bought will have increased in value. If not, whatever you can get, if you sell it, if you don't want to keep it to turn into a battle, you get a larger amount to put towards the next purchase. Am I making sense? No, yeah, making sense. Sorry, I was just letting you go. Okay, yes, that's a, that's a lot of uh, good information. Guys, we've seen so many people make ridiculous money from crypto. Some of them are friends. They're not bringing me in. I'm not happy about that. But did you know, is it also easy for you to do the same? The Copy My Crypto membership site shows you the coins that YouTuber James McMahon personally holds and allows you to copy him. It's like having a big brother who knows what he's doing. You don't need to know a thing about crypto or to invest. You simply just do what he does. Kind of like my little brothers, they just copy me. Everything I wear, they copy. All the music I listen to, they copy. Now they look seen as the cool kids. It's a scam. So let me tell you more about James. He runs the Crypto with James YouTube channel, which despite heavy censorship, has over 17,000 subs and over a million views. Since March 2020, he has told his viewers to buy 26 crypto coins. How do you put 100 bucks into each one? You will now be worth over $66,000. I don't know why James didn't hit me up himself. <laughs> of the 26 coins, his pick of the year, a coin called Phantom, is currently up over 440 times from when he said. 440 times. Bloody hell. That one call alone has retired a couple of people, including people in their 20s and 30s. Remember, this is public knowledge. You can go on YouTube and verify this yourself. So don't think that this is a big scam. You can go check. Um, so if you'd like to join the 1,300 members who copy James, then what you need to do is to stop what you're doing and head over instantly to copy my crypto. That's copymycrypto.com forward slash disu. So the fact you listen to Disunomics, you know what disu. That's D I S U. You'll not only find proof of everything I said, but my listeners get full access for just a dollar. Which is like, what, 75p if you listen in the UK? Easy peasy. You won't find this anywhere else. You won't find this offer anywhere else, but you need to move quick because this offer ends soon. You can't come and DM me on Instagram or Twitter. Oh my God, this offer's gone. So that's copymycrypto.com forward slash D-I-S-U. So that's copymycrypto.com forward slash D-I-S-U. Don't take this offer lightly. He's a real deal. Go visit the site right now, ASAP. Keeping on the first time buyers, um, what are some of the mistakes that first-time buyers have made and you've realised they've made when they've come to speak to you, for example, at one of your jobs or at BSL Finance? What are, the, what are some of the common errors and misconceptions of first-time buyers that hopefully my audience can like, now learn how to avoid? Oh, they've already, uh, the, the major one is they've made up their mind what they wanted before finding out what they can afford. Mm. So they've sort of like, oh, I'm looking for a 400,000 property. And by the time they come to us and we analyze and sort of go through the situation to break it down and do the, a proper due diligence, you realize that they wanted a 400,000, but in actual fact, they can only afford 250 mm. or 200. But because they can't afford what they wanted, instead of them buying that one as a start, they will stop with the mindset that I'm going to save up and earn enough to buy the 400. What many people don't realize is if you're looking to buy a 400,000 property 
this time, let's say three years ago, the same property that you wanted to buy four hundred is now up. It's <laughs> gone up to almost six hundred. So you say you wanted to save up to buy four hundred, you probably end up buying the two fifty, two hundred that you could have afforded in the first place back then, that you said no to. You now be paying that same four hundred for that same property that you could have bought for two hundred, two fifty, three hundred. Is actually so true. That's that's actually so true. Um, another question I wanted to ask you is: um, so a lot of people have asked me, and I've seen them debate different types of obviously mortgages. So you've got shared. So a lot of people have like a lot of disdain to shared ownership as a startup for um, to get a property ladder. What is your thoughts on shared ownership schemes? Uh, the the. Thing about shared ownership, and I'll I'll sort of talk about help to buy at the same time is that is a is a means to an end if you know what you're doing. Mm. It gives you the opportunity to get on the ladder. It's a start. If you haven't got enough income, but you have enough with deposit, like I said, instead of renting, you do that. You part on the place, and you're paying rent on the side on the part that you don't own. We've had clients that did that, that what we've done is after a few years that their own share of the percentage they own grew to, to be 10% of the value of the property. And their income was able to carry 90, 90%. All we did was refinance, we remortgaged that for them. And they bought the whole 100% of the, of the flat. Oh, wow. So that is how it works. If people do it properly, we've had other people that, oh, when their income grew, increased, they couldn't, they still couldn't buy 100% of it, but they were able to buy another 25, 30%. Mm. They acquired that. By the time it got to them being able to buy, or they wanted a bigger space, all we did was turn that same shared ownership into a buy to let for them we refinanced it pay off we so we bought it for them 100 percent the share of the property is increased in value so we're able to take additional deposit towards a new purchase for them they rented out the old flat that they bought under the shared ownership okay the deposit now that we're able to pull out from that same property went on to buy a new house for them that's a very very good <laughs> that's a very very good way of doing things that's yeah that, I never even thought so of it it's matter. because people don't understand the the product that is out there that's why people mm. think shared ownership is bad or help to buy is not good it's similar with help to buy help to buy the government will give you 20% or in, uh, in England or 40% in London of the value of the property you're buying they own that percentage. What you can do is if your income is not enough, you do the same thing that I said with the shared ownership. Buy what you can. When your salary is gone up, to be able to refinance into a, a buy to let or a full uh, take ownership of the whole thing, you refinance to pay the government off their money and their share of the profit. And you take full ownership of the property. 
you don't need to stress yourself about getting a larger deposit through those uh, schemes that the governor has put in place. It helps you get on there. It's not left for you to be disciplined enough to work towards acquiring the rest of it. That's where people fail because they're not working towards that. Okay. That's a, I'm sure loads of my listeners are really going to be understand. Even me, I'm learning, I'm learning new stuff. So I don't even know that you can even flip your situation from that into, onto what you um, articulated. So at the top, earlier on the pod, you mentioned credit profile. I wanted to speak on that for like a few minutes. So, um, so obviously, um, um, as my listeners know that everybody has a credit score and your credit score impacts your ability to borrow, whether for, for good, bad or ugly. So in terms of, um, first of all, if you could firstly speak on how a strong credit can benefit you in all the various types of products we spoke about, you know, a traditional mortgage, um, maybe help to buy or shared ownership, how it can impact that. And if there is any ways that people with adverse uh, mortgage, um, not mortgages, adverse credit ratings, so credit ratings that are pretty low, whether they have bankruptcy, whether they have a CCJ, county court judgment, on their on their um, on their credit profile, is there still hope for those people as well in terms of getting on the property ladder? Okay, I will give you um, a true life event. Uh, one of uh, one of the cases I had. Uh, this client had, uh, I think, 930-point score mm-hmm. over 999 in the credit report uh, that she got, she, she got, she had then. So her credit, was very, her credit score was very high, 930, 930 there about. But she was servicing a high debt. So our salary, 80% of our monthly salary goes towards servicing that she was living with a partner. So between the two of them, the 20% will cover the rent. The rest goes towards credit card, pay day loan, serve, uh, car, IR, HP loans, so all the, So they were spending 80% of the salary. They were not missing their bills. They were consistent. So the score was high. But the lender said no. Because they just didn't have enough disposable income. Exactly. Then I'll give you another one that was scoring like 200, 300. But they were not using a larger percent of their disposable income. We got that personal mortgage. Oh, wow. Because what lenders are looking at for mortgages and for credit cards and for personal loan, they are different things. Is <laughs> how you maintain your monthly commitment. Is are you using a larger deposit? What's your disposable income at the end of the month that you have to cover the 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 mortgage? How quickly will you run into problems when if anything happens, you lose your job? Those are the things they're looking at with mortgages because mm. are you able to pay three months, six months with what you have saved up after or the moment you lose your job within month, two months, you're in trouble. Because mm. if you're servicing a higher debt, like 80% of your commu- uh, income goes towards servicing, it means if the person loses their job, they only have a month or two before they're in trouble. Mm. 
compared to someone that doesn't have a high credit score, doesn't have a high credit commitment, but they're only using like 30, 40, 50% of their disposable income every month. So they've got 50% to save. Okay, so that's the big... Okay, that makes a lot of sense. What about people with like... um like things like bankruptcy or county court judgments that how does how does um that impact things and i remember you said that you um your company works with complex cases such as yeah, those yeah yeah so this uh with that um we've got lenders that we work with that if it's over six months old and there's a genuine reason for that person having the difficult uh the default or ccj and we can explain it. They will give them a mortgage. If everything is not like a life event, losing of job, sickness, family. So you know those things that happen to people but that they couldn't avoid it. It's not someone that deliberately racked up debt and chose not to pay. Okay. So someone that's lost their job, there was an illness, there was an incident that was so significant that they couldn't commit to paying. Those things, if lenders, because all the people that will analyze the cases, they are human. They understand how things happen. They have an experience, they have an idea of what goes around, what happens. Mm. But if we explain to them and they, we can give them, we can back our explanation up. If it's over six months old, there are lenders that give mortgages. I'm sure so lots of people never knew that at all. So is is that they? I think part of the problem is a typical person that wants to do a, a mortgage will go to their bank, mm-hmm. and when their bank says no, that's it. Yeah. But to get proper uh, a proper product, a proper rate, you need to use a broker because we've got hundreds of lenders that we work with. Of course that we, are, we work with from the high street lenders, the Barclays, the Halifax, all of them, to the ones that you've never heard of. They don't even have a shop. All they have is a warehouse. They put their team there. We give them the case. They review it. A mortgage offer comes out. Because that's their own field. They're not a typical cash-taking uh, mm. bank. They're just mortgage bank. They're a bank, but for mortgages. So they don't operate on the high street. You've never heard of them. But there are hundreds of them. In fact, we're still getting new lenders coming into the market. So it's only brokers that have access to those. It's those ones that will tell you if you have your default that's over six months or you've missed mortgage payment, is over 12 months, is over six months, we can accommodate you. Or you used to be bankrupt. You've been discharged and everything is settled. We don't mind you. We'll take you on. Mm. Or you want to buy with your parents or your income is not enough but your mom or your dad or your brother joining you. we take you on. Mm. There's so many things. There's so many different scenarios of cases that lenders are flexible to accept. But you can only get access to those if you come to people like myself. Yes, of course. Because the bank, the moment they say no, that's it. But because that's where people think they need to go to, they don't try to see, is there anything else? Of course, that's why it's so important for um, 
people like BSL Financial Services and having an audience yeah. to let people know because these are things that even me who I believe I'm aware of financial stuff I didn't I wasn't fully aware of this whatsoever uh, one thing I wanted to talk to you about um, you mentioned it um, earlier was buying as a collective so yeah. um, like obviously people may buy with family members friends partners but one thing I'm um, and obviously you could probably touch on that in more detail but one thing I wanted to ask because I know I can just imagine people asking questions what are the protections that people could put let's say for example um, I buy with two of my friends and then unfortunately one of us couldn't afford to keep up paying the mortgage for example is there any protections regarding that is there any protection that people can get to make sure that people get their share of the house when it sells and all that type of stuff so, so how can how can these collectives operate and the benefits of these of buying it as a collective well the, the the thing is when people buy together they all own the property don't mm. so it just depends on how they structure it is it joint ownership or tenancy in common tenancy in common is i own this percentage you own that percentage mm. Or is joint ownership we own it hundred percent equally. Okay. So if someone stops paying, everyone else is responsible. Okay. For it. Joint uh, tenancy in common is I only own maybe twenty five my twenty five percent. Yours is the twenty five percent. So you you don't pay. But the thing is if if it's tenancy in common and one person stops paying, everyone will sort of need to cover up because it means they won't be paying the full amount. But the thing is, if they're not able to keep up, the rest of the team can buy them out. Okay. So you can buy their share and add it to yours. Or let's say, because what would typically happen is four people coming together, and when they start getting married, obviously they can't bring their spouse into the space. Of course. <laughs> they need to either buy with their new partner or move out. Yeah. The others can redo a refinance, what we call a remortgage, mm-hmm. to raise capital to buy, to pay them off. Okay, so that's the way you we can like handle that yes. potential situation. Okay. Yeah, so you just go to the bank, this person wants out. The three of us still wants to go, the two of us wants to go. Our income can carry the mortgage now. So we refinance for them, raise the capital and pay off the people that want out. And those that want to keep up, continue ownership of the property. Eventually it might turn out to be one person that's left and they've paid off everyone else. Or they all move out and turn the place into a battle that they are all taking share of the rent every month. Okay. So it's, it's, the 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 truth of the matter is they will get more than they put in to buy the place when they're looking to exit okay so okay so that's so hopefully that's given people some reassurance if they decided to you know couple up or come as a collective um the final thing i wanted to talk to you about um is deposits so deposits seem to be for many people the most daunting prospect Obviously, if you're being asked to raise tens of thousands of pounds, 
it's not easy, especially in the times we live in right now, cost of living crisis, people who live in London, life is pretty expensive from transport to food, especially people like myself who are private renting. So speak mm. to us on sourcing deposits. Uh, deposit, the lend, okay, let's say people with parents, that their parents can afford it. Lenders will, ask, will allow deposit from that. People with brothers and sisters, can come together to to do a gift and deposit. They give you money. Uncles and aunties and lenders will take those. That okay, your uncle is giving you a part of your deposit. Your auntie is giving you part of it. Your brother, your 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 sister, your parents. Hmm. They can all chip in to help you. Lend some lenders will accept that. If that's not possible, we have people that they are only able to save five percent. Mm. They can do the, the they can do the help to buy, they can do the shared ownership, but there's something else that is coming that private lenders are out there now that they've partnered up with lenders that if because the help to buy and the shared ownership is mostly on new bill. Yes. So they so they'll do the similar thing as the help to buy with the government, but they won't restrict you to new bill property. You can buy whatever you want. Oh wow! So they give you up. To, they'll give you up to twenty percent to a maximum of hundred thousand of the deposit. So twenty percent is like the help to buy. They help you contribute, and they own that percentage like the government would. Then the bank will only give you seventy-five percent mortgage. Okay. But the bank is aware that they're there because they've they, the bank has signed them up as people that can contribute towards deposit for, for their first time buyer. So that those are out there as well that people can use that if they want to do it by themselves and they have the five percent but they don't want a new house. Those sort of lenders can help them. Because they're a private lender but the banks are some banks will allow them to contribute. And like I mentioned earlier friends coming together to sort of pull their deposits and their income together to be able to buy something. So those things are out there. Okay, so those are some good products that, so, okay, thank you so much. So for people who want further information, where can they contact you? Because obviously I've learned a lot. Um, I know so many people will have so many questions. I probably want to speak to you or maybe actually start to go into business with you and help get um get onto property ladder or some of these products so where is it best to find you uh well we are on instagram bso financial services they can message me through the the instagram they can go our website is bslfinancials.com message via there uh obviously my number i don't know if you I'm allowed to share my number on the on. I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's best advice. I'll be bombarding you. Trust me, sir. Let them come yeah, through the website. What, we'll give. Yeah. Them. So yeah. it's it's. Uh, we have an office number as well. Yes, so that's a, that's a good on one. The web, it's on the website, so I can be reached via those, and I think we've got Facebook page as well. So just do BSR financials. 
I'll put the description. Message. I'll put these links in there. So people who are listening to this, if you just wherever you listen to this podcast, if you click the description, I'll put a link to the Facebook, the Instagram, the website, and I'll even put the office number for Speed. And what also, what services do BSR Financial offer as well? Uh, we do first and by uh, buy to let people that want to go into buy to let existing uh, buy to let that wants to increase their portfolio. We sort of help portfolio landlords to increase their portfolio to people that want to do ground up development that needs money that into development, people that want to buy from auction time lending anything that is property funding related we do okay fantastic okay mr olu thank you so much this has been a fantastic podcast i'm sure my guest of my audience sorry have learned so many things thank you very much you're welcome thank you for having me sports social podcast network